new guest, who dis? This is Songs in My Head. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Songs in My Head, a music podcast for music nerds, by music nerds. Uh, as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Kristen. Hello. And we are back with another special guest episode. Uh, why don't you say hello to the folks out there? What's up, everyone? What's up, everyone? I'm Mark from Goalkeeper. Yeah, we got, we, we got another good friend from the band Goalkeeper on today. How's everything going, man? It's going well, man. Yeah, so Sunday, like, fall, got some plans with the wife after, which will be You fun. guys are going to see the Wonder Years, right? I'm seeing that with my friend Pete, uh, but my wife and I, there's a, I think it's called like Peddler's Village, which is a thing in Bucks County, PA, where I live. It's a bunch of restaurants and shops, and it's like really picturesque, walk around and kind of just enjoy the day. Cool. Nice. That sounds nice. Yeah, trying to get all the time in we can before I leave for like three weeks for tour. Right. Right. Yeah. So you guys got a lot going on band wise, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. New That's record, kind of... tour, holiday shows. Yeah. 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 Doesn't, doesn't stop. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we'll we'll talk a little more about all that later, but in the meantime, uh so you gave us uh, a damn good album. Um, you gave us uh, 40 Year Strong's Enemy of the World. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm assuming that they, they are a band that you are like a big fan of. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, how many times have you seen them? 18. Oh, wow. 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 Okay. So... <laughs> So four years strong is is his no effects for you. And your punchline. And my punchline. Yeah. yeah. Or my or my newfound glory. Yeah, I'd have to go back and see the exact number, but it's definitely between like 18 and like 22 across oh, like wow. multiple states, you know, PA. I've you know, Massachusetts, Maryland. So they were just like a little bit they were the first i don't want to say this insulting by any means but they were like the first small pop punk band i saw and it was around the time that garage i trying like just came out or came out a little bit after sure and enemy of the world because i got into like listening to pop punk really late like i always knew about bands like fall boy and blink 22 and green day but i just thought they were rock bands and then in high school, you know, people introduce you to like the subgenres. Right. Like, oh, well, these guys are actually pop punk. Okay, well, who else is that? It's like, oh, here's these bands, here's these bands. I go, oh, if you like Fall Out Boy, here's like a heavier version of them, like four years strong. And uh, instantly became hooked. I actually have the Rise or Die Trying record like signed by them, like oh, wow. in my room. And I was even more hooked when I found out that they recorded that record 10 minutes from my house that I grew up in, in Southeastern PA. So 
but then when enemy of the world came out it was like a game changer for me like musically i mean it's it's a, an incredible album honestly i mean we we have both listened to it many times oh, at least 10 12 yeah mm-hmm. i mean and this this was honestly my first exposure to them we like can- i'm sure that like i had heard songs here and there from them just because right. they they are always always mentioned in you know like discussions when you talk about like mid-2000s pop punk yeah absolutely absolutely so uh, this was so their <laughs> this was their fourth studio album i i believe that's second mm-hmm. yeah second or third i mean it depends on if you count like if you count the very first record that they don't even want to talk about rise of i trying and then explains it all so i guess it would be fourth if you count all of them I guess I was thinking of like originals. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So they don't they don't like to talk about. They're kind of like I guess they're like the Wonder Years in that sense because the Wonder Years doesn't like to talk about their early stuff either. Yeah, but when you write songs like that, I mean, we're nowhere near to that level that those two bands are. But I have a, I even feel a super strong disconnect to the first couple songs like like and stuff that we've written already like there's even stuff on bad times don't last like i don't even want to ever touch again live because it just doesn't represent like where you are now um yeah and like the wonder years like get stoked on i mean they adamantly hate that record (laughs) oh yeah i know we when we had cody on uh he gave us um suburbia to do for our album for that and when we were doing our research and everything like that was one of the biggest things that uh that we read that soupy talked about was like we don't we don't talk about the early shit like Mm -hmm. but i mean it's understandable because you you know you grow as a person and yeah you grow as a musician so like i I get it like and a lot of times when you're that young you don't take yourself seriously and you don't even know what your uh i don't say brand like what your voice is as a band and so like if you listen obviously for wonder years you listen to their stuff now compared to like get stoked on it like it's nothing of what they want to like put out there as for themselves as like individuals and artists and the messages they want to share and they want to speak on And I would say like every band, I mean, we're already thinking about that for the next record of like, what's the message and where we want to go musically, you know, and we haven't even released this full length yet. (laughs) So, Hey, you got to keep always, always having the ideas chugging in your brain, you know? Oh, of course. Absolutely. So I did read that this was like the the last album that they did uh, that featured their keyboard player. Um, josh lyford i guess he left the band like the following year mm-hmm. which i i didn't realize that they that they had anybody that had left the band because from what i understood they were they've been a pretty like solid lineup for their whole history like i don't think they've really shuffled around too much um i mean i i, I don't think so i mean in their interview with shane on lead singer syndrome they 
I mean, they had they went through the beginning band pro, like stages like any other band would, like sure. ten different drummers, guitarists, singers. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the guy Josh was like the first prominent member to be um, to be uh, like kicked out or left the band. Interesting. Well, yeah, and this was this came out in what two thousand ten, right? Mm, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, March 9th, twenty ten. Twenty ten. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely been. I've I've heard people mention this album in particular, and I know that it's kind of like a staple favorite for a lot of people. So I'm I'm glad that you gave us this one because mm-hmm. you know, as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, okay, I've been meaning to like get back around to these guys. So and I'm I'm glad that I have honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were like adjacent to a lot of bands that I already, <clears throat> I already listened to. So <clears throat> sorry. That's my voice. Um, yeah. So I was really excited to, to get a chance to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many like um, songs that you don't hear them play that I, I hope I get a chance to see them on this tour that they're doing in celebration of it. Yeah. I just saw that, um, that recently that they were touring on this album Mm-hmm. specifically because it's like a it's an anniversary show or something yeah i mean like they play a lot of the the songs like you know once at a time paul revere wasting time like they you know i've seen it all the time like i've seen them have those like staple songs in their sets sure i've never gotten to hear like flannels the color of my energy or this potty that you know this body pays the bills or 19 with neck tats like all those like deep cuts that are just super fun Right. Plus the B sides are awesome. I mean, Bad News Bears, Ed um, Cavalier. They just redid both of those and just put them out like the other day. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on their Spotify, they like re-recorded some of the songs and they put out the two uh, B sides, Cavalier and Bad News Bears. Hmm. I'm gonna have to go. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and look at that because I know that. Um... I, I saw that there was like an extended iTunes version of this that I I didn't get mm-hmm. to see. And there were like, what, I think two extra tracks that I didn't, that I hadn't had the chance to hear. So I might have to go back and listen to that. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess we'll just go right into it. Uh, just go track by track. That's usually what we like to just go through, just kind of chit chat about each song a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the album kicks off with a great title. Um, it must really suck to be four years strong right now, <laughs> which I think is really funny because uh, it, it, it comes from that alt press review. Um, I guess the, the writer that reviewed this album originally or no, he reviewed an album for Set Your Goals. Set Your Goals. Uh, that was for their album, This Will Be the Death of Us. And in the last line in his review was this it must really suck to be four years strong right now. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, solid opening. I oh, mean, yeah. this is definitely a great way to kick an album off. I, I love when bands like start you on a high energy note like that you know mm, they, yeah. they, they really prepare you for like the tone of how the album's gonna go yeah i think yeah and it's like the, some bands do it you know when you're writing a record 
you don't always know what the opener or the ending is going to be. Some people have it figured out pretty quickly. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, like, sometimes there's just that undeniable track that, you know, how do you want this to, to kick in? I mean, with just, like, the intro riff and then the snare drum coming in just sounding like machine guns, essentially, right. blowing up. Um is yeah probably one of the best that's like the first when i listened to that it was the first thing that like stuck out to me immediately oh yeah for sure yeah and i think um it, it opens up and and tells you like what what you're going to expect basically what you were saying about you got to know what the feel of your album's going to be like it you know mm-hmm. it, really, it really puts that out there right and i think anytime you do a new record you the first song like you're saying is going to tell what people to be like what people are going to be expecting and that's kind of where the first song has to be like the staple track of the record like Mm -hmm. this includes pieces of everything you're going to find on the record right you know it it, you know and whatever that is every band's different but i feel like that's what we try to consciously do especially with this new record with the opening track is it includes aspects of that you could find an aspect of every song within that song with like big chorus catchy lead you know doing vocals piano like all that stuff and so you said listener hears and says okay this is what i'm getting ready for yeah it's like you're putting the seatbelt on you're getting ready for the ride like here all right here we go yeah also nobody wants to nobody wants to, like it's lots of like a slow burn into a record you know people just kind of want to be jumped right into it so you immediately grab their attention yeah i mean when you when you describe that like the way that you were just wording it there it, it just makes me think of the way um i don't know if you're a fan of the used no. <laughs> okay the the way that their that their uh second album in love and death kicks off um the opening track like literally kicks into the first guitar riff with a gunshot like it's not it sounds like you're like they're like cocking a pistol and loading into the chamber and then just fires into a guitar riff that would make sense for the use yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean i like this this album is very straightforward message wise is something that i've really noticed um Mm-hmm. like this song is definitely uh i think it touches on like you know just kind of defeating the odds and, and pushing through adversity you know and things like that just to kind of try and move yourself forward yeah well i mean and they kind of did that i feel from i mean anyone who's in a band and we're trying to get to that point you know, but like anyone who's in a band, like at one point they were just the local kids in the neighborhood who started playing an instrument, you know, and you never think that songs you're going to put out would maybe impact anybody, let alone in their situation, thousands of people throughout the world, you know, right. especially with a record like Rise or Die trying that is still probably people, like one of the, everyone's like favorite records by them. So it's like, okay, how do we like step it up? And it's a sophomore record, essentially. I mean, it's our fourth studio record, but in consider in considering like the big label deals and all that, it's really like the sophomore release. Sure. You know, I think major label. So yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine that 
insurmountable pressure, you know, that oh, absolutely. they probably felt, you know, writing the record. But even until like tonight, we feel like tonight we feel alive and like wasting time. Like I feel like it, it, those next two songs kind of go right into, I mean, you know, this sounds like they've been traveling a lot and just, you know, being away from home. And so there's this like kind of dichotomy where it's like, yeah, like here we are living our best life, touring the world, feeling alive, like you know, Saturday nights, going crazy, people coming to their shows. But then also there's like this longing for home. Right. Like we missed when we were just kids and, you know, just being home and there wasn't this pressure to write a record or pressure to go on tour and having to tell your family like, hey, I can't come to your, you know, I can't be there for your wedding or your birthday or, you know, um, things like that. I mean, even at the end, I think it's uh, one step at a time is about Dan losing his brother to cancer. Rough. You know, and that's the type Rough. of, that's a, yeah, that's the type of stuff bands at their level, they don't, they're not always around for, you know, someone's in recovery for something or they're sick or they're in the hospital, but they, you know, they're still an employee by the label and by right. other people who, you know, they hire to work for them. So they can't just like stop working and they can't just stop doing things. Right. So I definitely feel there's a, like this dichotomy of like, this is great but also shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that first song had a few of my favorite lyrics in the whole album. Cause the part that they're saying, don't fix it. If it hasn't broken yet, don't regret it. If it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And the best advice I found is don't look down. Like, I think that it makes the song like super powerful. Um, mm-hmm. It has everything that what you were saying. It has like great lyrics. It has, you know, good breakdown, great harmony, everything. So yeah absolutely great song yeah so as you were saying it leads right into uh tonight we feel alive on a saturday and um you were kind of saying that that's the that's the feel of like the everybody's coming to my show kind of vibe i mean that's what i when i hear that's what i feel i don't i'd be curious to hear what they say about it yeah i mean i would too i mean and I, i just kind of I just kind of got out of it that it was kind of like a just kind of standing out being being unique having a good time kind of song yeah um I feel the same although I think my opinion of the song was shadowed by the fact that I watched a video which apparently they found a real interesting uh copy that they had on YouTube and it had like a bunch of pop-up it's like pop-up video kind of thing from vh1 but it was their version with a lot of facts about like recording the video and stuff so it's pretty cool but like it was a whole revolutionary war thing and it had mm-hmm. them in it and all the extras were like fans and from other bands so i thought it was pretty cool um right. yeah yeah she had me watch that and i was like yo this video is insane yeah yeah it was like a whole you know a whole thing that they pretty much filmed themselves like with you know, fans and, and friends of the band. So I thought that was pretty cool. Wasn't there something in there about how they actually like provided most of their own costumes? Oh yeah, they, they pretty much had their own clothes and then, you know, somebody that took over like the costume stuff kind of just added to it. So, you know, I thought it was, it was really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it just it's just a continuation i think of the first song where you know it's kind of the the feeling of you know being a touring band and you know everybody's everybody's there to to have a good time with you on a on a on a saturday <laughs> yeah no, i think they did it really well and the video is fun too i like when bands do goofy videos that don't really relate to the meaning of the song because i feel like sometimes people get caught up in the meaning and that's why yeah. i was saying like I, we don't even talk about the meanings of our songs typically just because we feel like it takes away from someone's perspective of what they feel with it like right. we're there. um we wrote it just kind of like this like summer love you know but you know it's going to end but someone reached out to us instead of reminding them of like their loved one that like passed away. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So like, you know, that's that person's meaning and they're going to have that forever and have that connection, um, which is awesome, which is why I think like, like wasting time, like when that came out, that was like right around the time I was like graduating. I graduated high school in 2010. And so you, we were all at the age where you like recognized, okay, like you can't be doing the same dumb shit you could in high school like anymore because you're going to be going to college, you're going to be working, you know, the innocence of being 15 running around the neighborhood on a summer night or 10 years old or whatever is uh, gone and everyone's like perspectives change, which it did. Like all our, you know, friends went to school, they were studying, have careers, you know, can't just be hanging out in the cul-de-sac. It's like a, they're, but the wrong type of people are hanging out at the cul-de-sac in the neighborhood at 23 years old. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I know that in the interviews that Alan had said, like, that this song was written about, like, the most amazing summer that he had with his friends, and they wanted to write something to, like, capture that mood. Um, mm -hmm. So, but I agree with you. Like, I feel like this applies to a, a, a different thing for me. I mean, just to about a time in my life where things felt simpler, not necessarily that. Um, but yeah, this this is my favorite song on the album, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I mean, it's, this this is that song, this was that, that, that song that you know that when they wrote it, they were like, yeah, this is, this is the one. This is the, this is the one that everybody's going to sing along with. This is the catchy one. This is the, yeah. It's also not as riffy as they typically go. It's a pretty easy song on guitar. It's just really, oh, really loud, you know, which I think brings that energy live. Not everything needs to be like, a, even though they are like the, one of the best riffing bands in the, I feel like ever in our scene. Um, yeah, they really stripped that back and just played a chord, you know? Yeah, I know that I, <clears throat> I love the part at the end whenever they were like singing the chorus again and then like you hear them like cheering in the background and everything and mm -hmm. I love how like it just kind of showcases the band's energy and everything and um I don't know I just thought that was like kind of nice yeah, yeah I mean it's it made it sound like they were just having a good time like mm -hmm. just kind of just enjoying exactly the message of the song exactly. yeah <laughs> Um, so the next one is 19 with neck tats, specifically spelled with a Z, which I, I thought was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, wholly unique 
I, I always admired the the uniqueness of naming naming songs within the pop punk scene. I, I always thought that there it seems like there's so much thought that goes into them. Yeah, but where did I read that they were um, naming all their stuff last minute? And they were just shouting stuff out. Wasn't that them? Oh yeah. So I was reading about the album song titles in one of the interviews that they did, and they said they were on fin on tour in Finland and like the tour bus in the dark and Alan got a call from the manager asking for the song titles immediately. So, so we sat in the dark in Finland and came up with the names of all the songs <laughs> on the record in about five minutes. And then Dan said, because in typical for your strong fashion is we wait to the last minute and then do things with the least amount of thought and they'll probably end up being pretty funny. So yeah, like I appreciate the album titles, but I, that makes me love that even more. That's so <laughs> funny. So I thought that was hilarious. Like I just picture the band sitting in a dark tour bus in the back of the room, just uh, 19 with neck tats. Just, yeah. Make sure that has a Z. <laughs> Make sure it's a Z though. It'll really yeah. drive it home. Yeah, I feel like you just can't. I mean, that and songs like 19 with neck tats and like this body pays the bills. I mean, I feel like those are songs that show their like lightheartedness on this record. And to like not take yourself too seriously. I mean, 19 with Nectats, I mean, it's it's about, you know, you and your friends like walking off the ledge of like, hey, are we just are we gonna go for this? You know? And um and so I it's like you you know, you put so much work, like relax. <laughs> you can have like you know, not everything has to be super serious and stressful. Like sometimes you just have to, you know, bask in the moment of what you're doing and be a goofball. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we've ever done like our funny, we have the funny album titles when we're initially writing the songs, but then a lot of them, like they can't stay on the record because it would be wild and inappropriate. So <laughs> we have to change it to something <laughs> a little I mean, bit. I'm, I'm still disappointed that your new album is not called the gang records a full length, but <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. That can be our ska record. um yeah but i mean i i agree i think that this song was definitely very playful in its title and i think it was kind of they they were looking back on a little bit of the nostalgia of being young and like you know kind of talking to a younger version of themselves that's Mm -hmm. kind of what i what i pictured in the lyrics was you know like kind of hollering back to a younger version of themselves that you know, saying it's okay to still be goofy, even if you've grown up, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you should always keep that childlike wonder, um, you know, in your life and see things from a like, point of innocence at times, you know. Absolutely. Do you have anything else on this one? Um, not particularly. I mean, the lyrics, some of the lyrics sounded a little more serious, like you could apply them to, to all sorts of stuff, but sure. Um, and I think that that's the, the unique thing about some of these songs is that like, you know, when you're, when you're looking, when you're doing research, which is something that we, we run into often when we, we do albums like this is like, when you're doing the research, sometimes you just don't find anything and you it's just kind of like it's it's almost like the artist is saying to you like 
you get out of this what you get out of this. Well, that's what he was saying. You almost so don't like, want to put out any information on it because right. you want people to be able to apply it to like any situation that they want. To. Yeah, my my wife will tell you that every time on the radio, a band will say, "Hey, we're so and so, and this is our song, and it's about this." She gets Im- immensely pissed off immediately because she's like, "That's not how I view the song. That's not how it spoke to me." And now you're telling me I'm wrong for thinking that because it's not about that. <laughs> that's like one of the things like we that's why that's why we don't like to uh, like talk about like song titles because we don't want to take that away from somebody. If someone creates a connection to the lyrics and then we say, well, technically, it's not about that. It's actually about this. Sure. Like, oh, well, OK, so I guess I guess I'm like wrong now for thinking this. Right. Um, yeah, so I mean, sometimes being just really vague. Also, too, some people don't want to talk about the stuff. I mean, not everyone's very open, especially if it's a really like heartfelt, personal song. Sure. Some people are like, I'm not going there. <laughs> you know, here are the lyrics. You can like listen to it. Um, but I, I've I've met a lot of musicians like that where I'll even ask them like, Yeah, that song was like really cool. Like, what was your inspiration for that? You know, and they're just like, I don't talk about it. I can't. I was like, oh, and being a therapist, I respect that because I understand. (laughs) Sure. It's probably hard, but yeah, it's always funny when I I see someone in a car and someone's like, oh, the song's about this. And fuck, come on. (laughs) But I think the next song, the next song, though, the Find My Way Back. That's the one, um, that's actually the first song I heard on this record. Oh, really? Yeah, my friend, because my friend showed me the record, and he's like, go listen to this. And that was actually the first song on, I'd ever learned on guitar by them. Oh, wow. wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, and it was funny, because some people were like, oh, it's not the best song. I'm like, nah, that's going to be a staple. And thankfully, I was right, because, I mean, every time they pull it out in a set, the crowd goes absolutely insane. I could imagine, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's definitely, it's definitely like their, their way to, to show their finding their way back home, their path back to mm-hmm. path back to home and their path back to finding themselves. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was also super interesting. Like, I feel like they had a lot of like elements in the song between like, you know, a pretty simplistic intro into like a rip like riffing verse and then a big explosive pre-chorus into like the bounciest like the crowd moves like this chorus you know um so it was like you kind of had like and thinking like watching their sets people move all the time and they gave people three different types of movements like i feel like you kind of had the like moshing in the intro the circle pit for the verse you know everyone kind of coming together and like pushing each other a little bit for the pre-chorus and then immediately everyone's like jumping so you elicited like four different types of movement for the listener at a show all by the end of uh, by the first chorus that's awesome at least that's what i've seen (laughs) when i'm watching (laughs) that song (laughs) You know, and I think that's kind of cool, though, because one of the things like, you know, when I was now I'm now I'm now in the 30 year old in the back of the show watching it. But when I was in like the pits and everything, you kind of got tired just 
circle pitting for like two minutes or or just like push pitting or things like that so to kind of like do a little circle but then go into like jumping in at a unison like it kind of it just does something for you right i feel like bands like them at least we try to as well they'll write songs and they'll think about how is this going to translate live you know and a lot of bands now like they write behind a computer you know they just open up a doll and they write, they program drums and songs sound great. But then when they go to replicate it live, it just sounds, it doesn't sound, it doesn't have the energy. No, that's right. why like, we still write in a rehearsal space. The three of us just like roll in, turn on our amps, crank them. And we just say, all right, who's got something? <laughs> yeah, we always talk about that when we see a band live for like the first time, like we're always surprised if we hear somebody that sounds so different that won't be expected mm-hmm. but you know our favorites all sound pretty yeah. much yeah absolutely i i would say it, it's been a long time since i've seen a band that i heard live that sounds grossly different from the way they sound recorded right i think and for me i feel like you can tell the band who wrote as a band like in a room and the band who wrote on a computer yeah oh absolutely and nothing wrong with it not saying that one way is better or not but um i feel like it brings a different energy and i mean and if you watch the i'm assuming you did but watch the documentary of them making this album yeah um you saw them like in the live room together writing so you knew like it was going to have the live energy mm-hmm. being put into the record oh yeah i watched that kind of early on and i was um, it made me appreciate it a lot more too because you see like the work that they're putting into it right and like how they interact it. as a band that's like one of my favorite things too right. watching them on live a lot of that stuff is really relatable I mean we all if you're in a studio you can kind of lose your mind and start putting your headphones on backwards just because you're just trying to do something um but yeah I mean that's I feel like that's a big aspect for like our scene is you know what's it gonna sound like live so that's where we thrive like we're not you know our scene isn't just like a listening you know genre like it's a show mm-hmm. and you know sometimes you know certain songs don't really have that live impact if it's just written on a computer right but okay so uh you know you get out of finding my way back you know you're we're back home now and now we're wondering what the hell is a gigawatt? Gigawatt or gigawatt? <laughs> is it gigawatt? <laughs> 1.21 of them to be exact, right? Well, I had to go back and watch the uh, the clip, of course, from uh, Back to the Future. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I love that, the, the fact that they use that as a, a reference for this. And, like, they're very open about that. Like, they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is the exact line from the movie. Like, yeah. I mean, it happens all the time, and it's, uh, I always think it's funny when they, I mean, they, they do it all the time. I mean, their one record has a bunch of, like, horror movie quotes and, like, Breaking Bad quotes. Oh, really? For album titles, yeah. Um, the EP that they did after, in some shapeware form, ones like Tread Lightly, which I think is Breaking Bad. Um, on their full length self titled, they have a, We All Float Down Here. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
yeah i mean this is a really fun song um but i i kind of struggled trying to figure out you know exactly what it stood out as meaning wise to me or really what made it made me feel i guess too yeah i mean like it's a fun song all right it pops off live too i'm sure <clears throat> um did you get any no i mean the lyrics that stood out to me were make up your mind and decide what you're fighting for so like in general like what's important to you right mm-hmm. so i mean i kind of with my interpretation and that's you know basically where i went with it yeah now nah, I, I feel like the same i feel the same that's what i got um when i listened to it i feel like that's kind of like what they're pushing and again being like i mean i feel like having so much pressure on this record i can only imagine they had pressure i'd like to meet an artist who has no pressure writing a record but um part of the beginning stages that we were taught is before you even start writing you have to really question yourself like why am i doing this what do i need to say what do i feel like i need to get out what am i fighting for is this worth it to me it takes a lot of sacrifice time and commitment and you can't really just do it half-assed um because you're even you know you're not even gonna have like the best songs because of that if you're just kind of throwing them together and like cool so you really have to ask yourself like what it is that you want before going in there and won't be surprised if there's a little bit of that for them too you know yeah, I was thinking about what you were saying about like them being on tour and not being you know at home like what are they doing all this for like exactly because you know ultimately a job is is to help you you know live your life and they're Mm -hmm. out there living and and missing things and it's kind of you know just kind of trying to ground yourself and what like what your, your goal in life is and there'd be a lot safer jobs you can get than trying to be a musician and being away from your family for months and months on end and you know how hard it's just to make money in this industry oh, right sustainable career um but yeah now i think oh, that's kind of like where the next song comes into like one step at a time because like you know he talks a lot about how that song's directly related to his brother's passing mm-hmm. and i think he was pretty close with his brother and like music related so i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of like his own doing and pushing to be in this band making it was like in remembrance of his brother too like yeah, i'm doing, doing this for him i watched a video that he had done talking i think it was a, a you know cancer related um like charity or whatever talking about how he wrote the song for his brother who was fighting you know leukemia and like through the chemo and everything and i guess he passed away like on thanksgiving morning so he was talking about how he wrote this and showed his tattoo that he had done for his brother. I guess his brother was a huge Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. So it was like a giant Red Sox tattoo. But basically, <clears throat> um, talking about, yeah, sometimes it's hard to, to say the right thing the right way, the hardest day of your life. That makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Breathe in, breathe out, it'll be okay. Right. Just one, right. one day at a time. Yeah. There's a thing I've been really focusing on you know because i feel like you can have relatability like you don't have to have like positivity for like relatability like sometimes people relate to just the fact that oh wow this band or this person that i love that i love like their art 
they're also human and they experience the same thing as me. Right. You know, and that's, you know, even though it's, you know, they are just people, we as a society put like artists and creatives at like this top, like this tier, you know, like they're above everybody else. And, you know, um, so it can feel like they don't have the same problems that we do. They don't have loss or depression or financial problems or anything like that. And so when you hear them, like when you hear those people talk, they're like, no, I deal with it too. You know, I feel like that creates that relatability for a lot of people who also are looking for right. a way to connect. Yeah, you're just like, oh, they're regular people too. Oh. Yeah, and I think it gives them a way to, you know, express things and, and connect to people. Yeah. Like said. And being a counselor, I can tell you, everyone just wants connection. Definitely. You know, and that's why there's so many support groups out there for people who need it. And, um, you know, and you hear a lot, people say, like, I don't think anyone else experiences this the way I do. I'm like, you'd be surprised, you know? So everyone just strives for that connection so they don't feel so alone and unique and suffering. Yeah. And then you go to a funny song with this body pays the bills with a money sign. <laughs> right. Right. You're just like, oh, okay. Whew. Well, yeah. Cause I was left with like, almost like chills the way he ended it with, you know, I know it's warmer where you are. Cause no matter how far the view, I always still look up to you. I was like, oh, like, oof, mm-hmm. like right. powerful. And then right into <laughs> this body pays the bills. Well, they, they can't, you're all in your feels. You have to, they have to like get you out of it. They can't have you. Oh, exactly. That's like the record's ending. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. They kind of got to grab you by the shoulders and kind of shake you back into things. Well, it's like a, it's like a whiplash feeling and you're like, wow. Like I, I feel like that just gives the album its own energy. Right. Mm-hmm. It's own like, you know. For sure though. But yeah, this definitely kind of like puts a little brighter, a brighter moment back into the album mm-hmm. after such a sad song. Um, well, brighter by starting out, she's a disaster, a walking mess, a master of misery. She's everything that could go wrong possibly. I was like, oh, relatable. Is this about me? No. <laughs> God. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the lyrics of this one kind of made me like laugh, but also like. Oh, yeah. I don't well, know. I mean, I feel like what I got of it was kind of like, you know, you you know this this mess of a person trying <laughs> trying to like trying to get away from that. But yeah, like, it's hard. Yeah, we we you know, and we've all been there. That friend, that relationship, you know. Um, I think that yeah. I mean, every time. You said like it makes you laugh. I kind of laugh at this song too. It's just, it's just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know that I know that person. Right. Or I've been that person for a little bit. Or yeah. Yeah. You couldn't hit a fly if you were standing in a pile of shit. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's always. It's. I feel like that's. And when you're creating a record you want an ebb and flow of songs and so if you have something that's very very emotional and 
you you don't want to always just keep people there. Sometimes you want to bring it up with something lighter that still rips and is a lot of fun. But if you bring someone down, you got to bring them back up. Sure. I feel like I know that's start high and come low, or they start low and go high. But like, you really should kind of do this with people. Right. And I know that's something that I've heard um, Kristen Makes talk about on his podcast is like the the organization of the songs on a record is very important mm-hmm. to keep the flow of the record going. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can't have, you know, one, one line throughout the record like you said it has to have the the ebb and flow the hills and valleys yeah i feel like before we um we did this podcast like i didn't listen to as many albums in like the entirety or in order and it's so much is lost like i realized like how much i missed out by not getting like the whole feel of the album for a while i mean years ago buying cds you listen to the whole thing because you're like i paid for this thing but now with like streaming and stuff it's way too easy to skip like some of the best stuff or like that whole feel of a record because you're only listening in a few tracks right and i didn't realize like how intentional it is for you know most artists to to place things the way that they do and the amount of work it takes to to format the whole record not just a song especially like if you're telling a story like american idiot that is a rock ballad you need to listen from like one to the last song to understand the context of like the story he's writing fully. right right i mean you can listen to any song independently it rips but you know to listen to it you're like oh now i understand the story i see what he's trying to say right um, you can follow that character um sometimes also especially now with all the records coming out i feel like you can see the emotion like the wonder years record you see like the hum goes on forever you hear like the struggle of them in the pandemic and then them kind of like coming out of the pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I just saw them last, what, it was last week when yeah. they were here. And yeah, Dan was talking about that and about like writing the record and about like the message of, of the album title and everything. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. He gets so choked up while he's, while he's talking. It's just. He's an open book. Um, we got to work with Casey from the Wonder Years on one of the songs on our new record, um, like co-writing with him. Oh, wow. And he he was telling us a lot about that and like how they approach songs and, you know, they kind of go, well, like, you know, that, that he was really the one that like taught us, like, you need to figure out why you're writing a record and what you want to say. And is it worth saying, you know, like really push yourself to to look at yourself as a deeper artist than just crafting some pop punk songs together and throwing them on a record. Like, what's the story you're saying? Why is it important to you? Why do you think you need to let it out? You know, and I think that's like what they do. And you can tell that from Dan, just, you know, here's like all my emotions in the world. I mean, the opening line to the new record is I I don't want to (laughs) die. Like, okay, shit. Right, you're like, wow, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed the fact that they kind of, you know, put this right after a very, a very like somber feeling song. Bring it right back up again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so then that goes into Paul Revere's Midnight Ride, which another great title. Um, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it almost seems like this is kind of a kind of a, a, a love hate letter to like the music industry. The story I got was this was actually about a day to remember. I was reading that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because um, they were on a tour, I think, with like Newfound Glory, and a day to remember was like newish, and so it was like a day to remember opening, then four years strong, and then Newfound Glory. But a day to remember was getting so much popularity that, and you're not supposed to do this on a tour, like you do violate a contract doing this. Um, because like when you're when you play a tour where you're slotted and like the time you have like a show, yeah, um, that's all built into a contract. Like you're oh, gonna okay. play, you're gonna you're gonna play second of four, two of four. You're gonna have, um, you know, you're gonna have thirty like thirty minutes every night, and you're supposed to have that guaranteed, basically. Um, and so I guess what happened with the tour, I think a day I remember got so much, so much more popular so quickly because of like the records that were coming out that the someone who worked the tour tried to tell data i think either they remember how to get to play longer than four years strong or four years strong was going to open and they remember was going to direct support it was like something like that and basically four year was like no <laughs> like we're not going to give up our spot or play less because of an, a band who's playing before us and then apparently a data member wrote second sucks about them and then distracts. You know, and then yeah, and then this was a, <laughs> this was a distract, you know, to them. Interesting. Yeah, I was reading that too, and <clears throat> it basically said it was the Newfound Glory's Easy Core tour in two thousand eight. Um, but it was it was claiming it as an internet legend because they were saying that like Alan from Four Year Strong said they didn't have any like issue or anything, and then you know, a data remember didn't confirm or deny, but yeah somebody wrote like butts were hurt and beef was born at this time <laughs> which made me laugh but yeah it's yeah. just funny how much like diss tracks that go under the the radar God. we talk about this too it's yeah. like in the like the punk albums that we we reviewed and stuff like there's oh yeah no effects is famous <laughs> for that no and uh, michael just straight up say like this person from this band is an asshole <laughs> oh yeah. yeah it was a little more subtle before like in the old days like in the records of the '90s, a little more subtle, but now, no, yeah, no, no, now he's like, I, look, I've been around the industry long enough. This person fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you start to you start to see that. I, I mean, we've met a lot of bands who lead, you know, lead true to the uh, saying, "Don't meet your heroes." Like some people we've played with or met are assholes, creeps, just ugh. like you know. Um, and yeah, in the industry, like, you know, you wish it was just about playing. Again, we're a small band, so we've never even done, like, the real big tour. So I can't speak on bands who've, like, done that and had to actually deal with the politics and the business. Sure. Tours and record labels and stuff like that. But, I mean, everyone will tell you, it sucks. Everyone's an asshole. Everyone's out for money. <laughs> and bands just want to go up and play their music for, like, the fans. But they that's why you get a manager, so you don't have to be, like... You know, actually, our friends in Gold Steps were uh, were talking to. Um, I'm not going to say that, but they were talking to someone who's in a band about producing, 
and they're like, okay, like, do you want to talk about like price or business? And like, your manager hits up my manager so we can keep the relationship nice between us and don't have to talk about money. They can do that stuff, <laughs> you know? And, but and that's far too many times. Like you see, you know, you get wrapped up in drama of it all and it sucks. Then you have a diss track or allegedly a diss track. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, an, I didn't realize that. I, I, I must have missed that. But I, I will definitely have to take a look at that. Well, I feel like second sex is a little more obvious of a. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I love it, and I love a day to remember. So it's, you know, it definitely sucks that they turned out to, at least their basis, the very least, turned out to hurt people, you know. And they yeah. try to keep them in the band for a while. So it's like, oh, man, you guys are, you guys are idiots. You know, just makes me not trust you anymore. Right. You know. But I think four years strong one then. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, they were much more subtle about it, I think. <laughs> well, and also no one, no one, if, if, if they announce they're going on tour, no one's reaching out to the opening act saying that you're supporting an abuser. I mean, I feel like every band that tours the day to remember gets blown up on Twitter about that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, McMovements got called out pretty hard for it really mm-hmm. oh yeah go i'm we don't have to talk about it here but if you want some uh, twitter some twitter beef just look up like the movements post about like a sexual assault that happened at their show and then everyone just like ripped them apart for being on tour the day to remember <laughs> thanks yeah yeah that, that just puts another layer in like how how difficult it is to to be a touring band because you need to keep that you know reputation and then your relationship with each other is probably difficult because all that stuff strains it we recently had someone in our local music scene over here uh come out and have assaulted somebody Mm. and they tried to gaslight a lot of their the people who used to be their friends into being like you have to have my back i was i did this for you blah 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 blah. um there's no pressure on a touring band to be a good person you're an asshole if you aren't and you're a bigger asshole putting like a person in that situation, you know? So if you're going to hurt people and then you're going to have that, you know, and then it's also going to affect your friends and then you're trying to gaslight your friends to stay with you. Fuck off. Like, right. Right. Cause I, I, cause I told the, one of my friends reached out and they're like, cause they kind of got dragged into, into it. Cause they were in a band with them. They left right away once they found out about the allegation. Um, but you know i said if this person was a truth because he's like what would happen if something like that happened goalkeeper i'm like it won't because none of us will put ourselves or our band and our loved ones in that type of position mm-hmm. you know so um yeah i feel like some people get a little bit too big for their britches and think they can do whatever they want <laughs> sure yeah sure yeah i mean you know you let the you let the fame get to your head. You, mm. you let you know, and I mean that's that's been that's been the rock industry forever. Is like the whole the whole theory of like the the groupie and the this and that. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I feel like and the worst bands, like it's the worst fucking bands that like brag about that stuff too. Like right? you suck. Like a Molly Crew is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, any of the 80 hair metal bands are 
garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know everyone does. I mean, I know a lot. I know, like you said, it's embedded into rock culture and like, you know, and not even rock, but like just music and like movies and at pro athletes. And it goes back to what I said earlier. For some reason, our society puts like celebrities, artists, creatives on this like pedestal. Right. Because it's not the norm. You know, norm is to go to high school, get a job, you know, go to high school, go to college, get a job, get married, have kids, have a house, retire. So to be like, oh, I created something or I act, it's like, it's, uh, it's such like a lavish, like lifestyle that people long for, like, oh, I get to just like go into a room and have thousands of people just sort of like wooing over me. And it's like, all right, narcissist, settle down. <laughs> right, right, easy, easy, full range of it. Yeah, so I think I think bands definitely they I hate the bands who say like oh it's so much pressure shut the fuck up it's not just be a good person and if you can't trust yourself to be a good person stay away from people <laughs> right and get yourself some help please right. I have some be- contacts I promise <laughs> be a good person and surround yourself with your immediate area with good people so yeah you- yeah exa- exactly because you know set set the uh, precedent that you're your environment your culture that you surround yourself with is like safe you know sometimes you might get some people who penetrate that um and you know you don't realize like what they like a lot of my friends with this guy in our scene recently no one knew and it sucks and now they're like cleaning up their name because they were associated with them at one point but it's like do the right thing separate yourself speak against it you know, and then look for this, you know, learn from it, look for the signs for later. So you can try to keep those people out of your like inner circle going forward. Sure. Well, so, well let's bring the podcast back up. Yeah. Talking about the next track, <laughs> which is one of my favorites and a good title. Great um, title. Flannel is the color of my energy, which uh, has to be a, a throwback to, to 311's Amber. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a reference to the 311 song Amber, mm-hmm. which I, I loved that 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 reference is hilarious yeah mm-hmm. but but this this track like kind of spoke to me because it's just a i don't know i don't want to live a day without a piece of you to keep me company so it's almost like this like love song but almost <laughs> when i read the run the rest is like fill your bones because i pull you in closer and closer and find the right piece of you to take it's like well that might be a little toxic but <laughs> i don't know it's a good song it's one of my favorites yeah, I, I kind of got that and also kind of maybe like a little sprinkling of the the Misery Loves Company yeah. kind of thing to it. But again, it's interpretation that we're taking from it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like one thing that this band does pretty well is I feel like they, they keep their, the lyrics are like easily digestible in the sense they don't really use any like complicated like Webster's Dictionary words. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like thesaurus um, or like hyper metaphor, like metaphors, but it's just, it leaves you a lot, it leaves you enough room to where you can pick, going back to what we said in the beginning and pick, you know, have it uh, speak to you in your own way through your own, through your own life lens, which I think is the best way to write songs, you know, to be a little bit more vague um and allow people to bring up their own meaning like when i first heard this song i kind of thought it initially was just like a like a funny goof 
rip song, kind of like the body paste bills, you know, like yeah. that, that deep cut that people are going to love, but you know, it's not going to elicit the response and like the energy of like wasting time. And it must really suck and I'll find my way back. Yeah. Yeah. But th th this was, this was a very, uh, very colorfully lyric song for sure. Oh yeah. They do. They're very, 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 very good at that. So then they, they round out the record with the title track. Mm -hmm. the album enemy of the world um which again you know just as solidly as they started the album i feel like they put a really really nice like stamp right at the end mm -hmm. um you know I, I definitely feel like this if there was ever a way that you would want to wrap up an album i feel like this was the way to do it for sure yeah absolutely and it, it also i mean reading the lyrics to it it does talk about how much, how probably how hard they've worked and toured. And I mean, I have friends who saw them before Rise of I Try and came out and they would see them at some VFW in the middle of nowhere, like Pennsylvania playing in front of five kids. You don't care, you know? And yeah, or like in, in someone's basement, you know? Right. And then, I mean, we played their shows, like, you know, we're not making money on tour. You know, we're not playing in front of hundreds of people a night. We're not, coming home paying our bills and so we've definitely played those shows where there's five tickets sold you know <laughs> and sure. it's like even the low even the bands who are playing the show don't watch you um and it can definitely make you feel like burnt out and frustrated like what the hell am i doing this for like i could be home making money seeing my wife and my dogs and you know helping people out who need it, like my dad and, and like my parents and stuff like that. But like, here I am in like Tallahassee playing in front of literally no one. <laughs> right. And I feel like that's definitely the, the message here is like, you know, you're, it, this is kind of their, this is their, their come up. This is their, this is their, I'm putting my neck out on the line here. And, you know, I, I want, I want everybody to hear me and hear my, my music and, mm -hmm. you know, I definitely, that, that's kind of the, the positive that I get from this is like, no matter the cost, like we're putting ourselves out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I, what I read too, like the one, um, the one lyric I really liked was the you being the heart and I'll being the beat. Mm -hmm. So like, not only is it a little bit punny, you know, but um yeah, I mean, you bring the heart and, and they'll, you know, yeah. bring the beat. <laughs> Literally. Shows up with a bag of beats. Wrong beats. <laughs> oh, you mean beats by Dre. Mm, sure. Right? There we go. <clears throat> Worst headphones. Oh, they're trash. They're terrible. I'll, I'll go skull candy all day. Over them, yeah. Over anything. Most most of these fancy headphones suck. Oh yeah, I can't yeah. even use my I can't even use my AirPods that were like two hundred and fifty bucks because like it doesn't stay connected for things. It's oh. anyway. We just stop making everything wireless. We need to go back to plugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I agree. Actually, they were the only consistent things that worked every time. Plugs. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I would say you know overall. This was a fantastic album yeah and you know i'm very happy that i had the opportunity to listen to it 
Oh, definitely me too. Uh, and I have not stopped listening to it, even though we have other stuff that we have to listen to for additional research for our next episode. Right. Yeah. This one's a this one's a good one. I'll come yeah. back to it a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, and the beach and the B sides are really good. I would definitely take time to check them out as yeah. well. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely gonna look into those for sure. Yeah, they're fun. You could definitely tell why they didn't make the record. Like they just don't hold up to like the record tracks. But I'm but happy. Still... They, I'm happy they they exist in the world to listen to. Nice. So just a couple of of things now that we're done with the album. <laughs> Let's let's talk goalkeeper. Yeah. So you guys have released two tracks now from the new album. Yeah. Uh, you released Sooner mm-hmm. back in August, which is incredible. Um, it's a it's a great track. Um, I haven't stopped listening to it. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> sometimes a week. It's great. Yeah, love it. Um, love the harmonies that you guys put together in that one. Um, it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the video is, is very fun. I, I appreciated that you, you brought in, um, you know, your, your friends from friend circle. Oh yeah. For that. Um, now something that I did kind of have a question about though, is, <laughs> is there continuity with, sooner and an older track of yours because it sounds like they kind of might have a similar message and maybe it was just coincidence it's coincidence i mean i i've kind of figured but it was kind of like one of those i listened to them mm-hmm. like in yeah. sequence and i was like hmm. what song are you referring to uh chances yeah yeah so we thought that like i like ironically like oh uh but where chances is the journey that someone goes through, like after a breakup, you know, kind of like the, it's a, it's yeah. more positively, it's a more positive sounding song about like this, you know, kind of like the stages of loss, you know, sure. like sadness and anger, self-loathing, you know, blame. Acceptance. Yeah. And then, you know, you end up, you end up at acceptance, which at the end of the song, you know, at least I had a chance to be with you. Yeah sooner it, we very much wrote to be me and ryan were talking about when we we're first writing the, the lyrics and i wanted to focus on a period of time so like obviously if you meet somebody you can stay connected with them forever through social media sure but like what if we wrote about a situation in which you knew this would be the first and last time you ever saw each other so you try to jam in all everything that you want to do with that person because you know they're so special, but you know it's going to end. Like you have that, like this is not going anywhere at this point. Right. Um, and so Ryan and Cody put together a lot of like, you know, they're from the Jersey Shore, like South Jersey. Yeah. Um, so Ryan has experienced meeting people and who come into, you know, Ocean City or whatever for vacation. He only meet, you know, then they leave and you never talk again because they're just there for vacation. He like lives there, you know what I mean? So that was more about that, you know, kind of like that melancholy, I guess a little bit. Right. Yeah, I got you, but I know this is going to end. It's bittersweet. Exactly. It reminds me of another track. <laughs> um, 
the tiger lily by a matchbook romance oh yeah mm-hmm. i don't know only because we talked about that so much in one-on-one episode and i was like man that that like you have one day make the most of it kind of thing it's just like so bittersweet yep. mm-hmm. yeah and then just recently you guys put out car wreck yep um another amazing track uh super super fun video oh yeah um mm-hmm. looks like you guys had a lot of fun doing that yeah yeah it was a good team and i'm grateful for the uh we got to use that space and make a mess ryan does a social media website work for uh the guy who owns a detail shop so he basically said come in and use my stuff and make a mess <laughs> oh that's awesome that's funny <laughs> yeah but yeah the song okay. is great um Thank you. I love the the contrast of the the fast slow kind of you know rhythm within the within the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really adds a, a lot of I don't want to say drama, but like feeling. It adds a lot of effect to mm-hmm. it. I think it makes the lyrics stand out a little more. That's why we write. That's why we write as a like a, as a band like in a practice space so you can really kind of feel the emotion that like comes with the like you know try to portray what you're trying to say i don't feel like you can always get we okay let me rephrase that we goalkeeper cannot get that from just sitting behind a computer sure. you know um so we need to be like ripping the song together just playing and you know letting the song kind of take you over and like letting it guide you to what you want what you want to do um and cody does that well with the drums they'll play and then whatever his like emotions are starting to bring is like how he hits the next part sure um and then we all just pick what's the best so cody actually wrote most of that song too like lyrically so that's a a big cody song nice Mm -hmm. so a new album comes out uh, this month, mm-hmm. end of this month, right? Yep. Uh, what's the title? I wish I met you sooner. Perfect. I love the album artwork. It's great. Thank you. Um, I saw the the merch looks incredible. Uh, we gotta we have to pick up our our vinyl still. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you guys have some touring that you're doing as a release, like a release tour, right? Yeah, uh, we're, we're building it as that. We were supposed to do a tour with another band that, unfortunately, the music business industry, as I said earlier, was very um, unforgiving and not nice. So we ended up not being able to do that tour. Um, so we just kind of built it as like an album like release. Okay, and we'll do the pre-orders while we're on tour. I mean, it sucks with the, you know, the vinyl industry is still uh, struggling because of COVID where it takes eight to 10 months for vinyl to be made at this point, minimum. It's insane. Right. Um, and then that sucks because it's also like way more expensive than it used to be mm-hmm. because of how, you know, because of all like, you know, uh, stuff is uh, not as easily accessible materials. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, we, we, we're playing fast this year again. And so we're just kind of building a tour around to go into Texas, Midwest. We're actually ending in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, at Funhouse. Yep. Yeah, we, um, we've already talked about going. Mm-hmm. Maybe there. Yeah. 
So that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be a good one. I wish we were playing a Roboto project, um, but just because I have like, well, I am excited to play Funhouse, but I just love Roboto because it's so small and like, it's literally like the first venue we've ever played in Pittsburgh that wasn't, <laughs> I was like out of our town. Right. Um, but I've been to Funhouse and it's awesome. So I can't wait to to rip that stage and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, we're just building around that have the record will sell i mean at least a pre-order for it because like i said it takes a while for it to come in mm -hmm. um and then we have a uh, our holiday shows in december that we're doing one's in baltimore which we just announced with alistair and driveways um yeah. and then we're doing our own hometown one so awesome yeah it'll be a good it'll be a good way to cap out the year and then we're gonna hit the we're gonna hit touring really really hard all next year we look forward to it. Yeah, and, uh, Did I send you guys the record to listen to? Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to chat with us, for being on the show, for giving us such an incredible album. We look forward to seeing you guys when you're in Pittsburgh. Um, and good luck with the album release. Thank you. And guys, go listen to the two tracks that are out from Goalkeeper and pre-save the album. Pre-save, pre-order. Pre-save, pre-order. It's so funny. I mean, if for anyone who's like listening, it's we have to tell people to do so many things. Like pre-ordering the record, you know, obviously helps with like record sales and you know. All right. Well, uh, so Zoom hates us. Um, I guess we need to upgrade to pro. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, we had a blast chatting with Mark just now. Um, uh, as we were trying to tell you, uh, please, please, please go listen to Goalkeeper's two new tracks, Sooner and Car Wreck. And if you're local, I recommend checking them out. Absolutely. They're so fun the live. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, November the 12th at Mr. Small's Funhouse. Um, but yeah, so, you know, make sure that you go check them out on all platforms. And while you're there, make sure that you give us a listen. Follow us. Tell other people about us. Tell, like, six more people. Since there's only six of you, if we tell, if, if six friends tell six people... That's that's great. That'd be perfect. Yeah. Um, like a chain letter. Yeah, yeah, like a chain letter, except nothing bad will happen if you don't. We would just be sad. Sad emo is sad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as always, uh, you can find us all over social media. We are on the Facebook, uh, the Twitters, the Instagrams. Uh, there is a TikTok at some point. Maybe when we decide to finally stop being camera shy and film ourselves talking about vinyl. I think the first one is just the hardest. It is. It is. It's hard to like. First one's the hardest. The first cut's the deepest. You know. You know how it goes. Always dip your toe in. That's what we got to do. Uh, but yeah. Social media. We're very active. Uh, you know. You can message us. Whatever. 
and make sure that you look for the show wherever you listen to podcasts, which would include Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, the Apple One, uh, <laughs> iTunes, and uh, SoundCloud if you're nasty. Um, and as always, thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Uh, always wear clean underwear. Wash your hands. <laughs> you filthy animals. You filthy fucking animals. Nah, seriously, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.